This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Okay. Uh, hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast, and we have an awesome episode for you today with Jim Ryan. If you're unfamiliar with Jim Ryan, get familiar with Jim Ryan. Uh, the dude has been in Warren Miller, now TGR, and a bajillion other projects as well. Um, like I told him in this episode, I literally, when I think of him, I literally think of him dropping his hip into the ground and like basically opening his pant pocket with the turn that he's doing. Like it's, it's insane. Uh, so I really enjoyed this conversation with Jim. I actually was very surprised to hear some of his answers to this stuff and one of his favorite like favorite groups to watch right now. I was actually pretty surprised about too. Um, we talk about a lot. We talk about everything. Um, I had a, I had a great time talking to him and I'm going to stop rambling at this point. Uh, there is new merch dropping today. Uh, so you can go get some of that stuff. It is all available at getthecollective.com. You can also get there through outofpodcast.com. We know it's confusing. I don't really care. It is what it is. Uh, pod, outofpodcast.com is where all the content lives, all that stuff. You can just hit the shop and it'll bring you to I don't need to explain to you how websites work. But um, there's a reason for it. We'll get to it later. I'm not too stressed about it right now. But the whole point of this ramble is to tell you that merch is available now it's like a soft drop um before we get into like we got a super yeah there's there's some stuff coming so i'm gonna stop going on and on and on at this point but that's basically all i had to tell you on the merch side of things be sure to leave a review on itunes if you think of it on spotify give us five stars uh you can give us one star if you want just tell me why and I'll tell you that you're a pile of garbage. Uh, be sure to leave reviews. If you have a particular show that is your favorite on the network, please uh, let us know. Um, and be aware that there's always new episodes of Care Less Do More, Big Stick Energy, and The Pursuit um, available the same week as this show on the same feed always. Um, let's get into it. Uh, for today, we have a couple sponsors. 686 has been a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast for a little while now, and I have never had more drip, as the kids say, in my life. Uh, and I've never had to think about it as little as I think about it now. Uh, the stuff is insane. I just got to ski in the all-new Gore-Tex kit uh, very recently, um, and it was wet, and it was gross, and it was disgusting. And you know what? I was dry, and I was warm. So big ups to 686 for making an awesome product. Uh, we always kind of knew that they did. I think everybody knows that 686 makes good shit, but I think, uh, this is, uh, this new Gore-Tex line is, is next level. Obviously I've talked about the everywhere pant a million times at this point. It is like what all of us here live in at this, like it, there's nothing I would rather be wearing other than nothing, just the 686 stuff. Dude, that ATP stuff. Anyway, just go look at the line 686.com. Uh, I'm going to actually put out a few picks of like my favorite shit on our website. So you'll be able to see that stuff and I'll kind of talk about it a little bit. Cool. Cool. Uh, we also have Fisher skis today. Uh, they are running all of the, look, I'm going to call it a deal. It's not like it's on sale. It's a deal because you get a great ski for money. You know what I mean? That's a deal. Like handshake. That's the deal that we're on right now. You can go to Fisher sports.com and get yourself a pair of 
Rangers. Um, the Ranger is my favorite new ski of 2023, and not just because they pay me to say that. It is actually, especially that 108, is my favorite ski that has come out. I need to think of a catchy name for a tan, khaki-looking ski, but if you think of one, hit me up uh, on somewhere, on social, on email, on, I don't know, come up and tell me in the street, whatever you want. Um, Fisher makes, in my opinion the best factory skis that exist and the tune that comes on those skis is better than anybody else right now point blank no questions asked that's how i feel in real life once again go to your local retailer go to fishersports.com buy yourself a new pair of rangers if you're considering a new ski this year i'm happy to talk sizing i'm happy to talk widths. i'm talking i'm happy to talk about what works best for you it's actually one of my favorite things to do is talk about that kind of stuff okay uh and without further ado we are jumping into the episode in studio with Jim Ryan. A rule through the whole outdoor industry is that no one's telling you what to do, so you just make up your job every day. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's like no job description or like daily task list. It's just like, okay, um, somehow you made it here, so I don't know, invent something for yourself of worth. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. So that's actually probably a good thing to actually talk about. Um, what... What does that look like for you? How do you decide what to do with your time and what's important and like prioritizing what a season looks like? Well, we're going to like backtrack and do like a full intro, but like that we're on this. Like, let's just talk about this for a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, just like essentially, how do I wake up every morning and decide what my <laughs> job is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I benefited a little bit in this in that I, I studied economics in school. So okay. I went to, Colby College and I, I studied econ there and so I, I like kind of look at it from I look at my job a lot from like the brand perspective rather okay. than from the athlete perspective a lot of the times and I just think about like okay f where what is my job like who's paying me you know not like right. what is my job as people perceive it because that's just like go skiing every day right, which right, is not right. the reality <laughs> right um so I I think about my job from like a brand perspective and that's to like represent them to the point where people want to wear the things, use the equipment, um, that I have, that I use. Yeah. Um, so I, I like try and every day, like, uh, you know, show up in media as like a representative for, for a brand. Right. And in doing that, like, I, I think about like, in this era, just like the amount of eyeballs that anything's, you know, like, like if I'm out there, how many people are seeing me and right. what I, what I like to do is show up in person. That's like why I drove down here today. Right. But I mean, the reality of, of this era is that you can have so much like greater impact if you are like showing up on <laughs> yeah. like a small screen. Yeah. So I blend them, you know, just cause like yeah. I like showing up in person and I like people meeting me, but then I also like try and show up on a tiny screen. So on any given day, I'll like, I'll, I'll blend those things. Well, I'll just like go skiing hard with my, you know, with my skis and my kit and show up as an athlete there in person, or I'll work to like create something that people want to watch. That's intriguing, inspiring, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's hard. I think for people to imagine, especially like people listening to this, like sitting, whether they're sitting in a ski shop on a chairlift or whatever, like this is everybody's passion, but it's hard to imagine the job side of it. Right. And I even, like, I it feels like sometimes now, especially doing this full-time, that I have some free time. And I'm almost having a harder time having free time, like, managing myself and making sure that I go out and, and actually, like, 
do the thing like we were talking about deliverables, like that I have deliverables for myself. So is that a thing that you have for you? Like I know showing up in person and I know showing up for the brand who's paying you, but how do you keep that on a schedule? It's different when you're on a, like you're on a film trip or whatever, and you know what your exact purpose is, but on the day to day, like, what does that look like? Totally. Like it's the danger of, of working, like ha- having your job be also your greatest passion. Right. Yeah. So like I am a skier and like right. skiing is also the thing in my life that's brought me the greatest joy. Right. So how do I make sure that I maintain that space where that thing is just, I'm just doing it for myself and then also knowing when, okay, I need to you know, stop doing this just for myself and find a way to monetize this or bring value mm. to it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think most days I let it bleed into, to work. I'm like always looking at things from the perspective of like, how can this be useful to mm-hmm. like myself, my brand, the companies I work for, all that. And then, you know, maybe once a week or twice a week, I'll have a day where I'm like, okay, today I am going to do nothing, like nothing marketable or like, <laughs> or like not have my phone out or yeah. not do anything like really of value and just like, just go skiing with my friends. Yeah. Um, and I'll say that to myself like that morning, I'll be like, I'm just going skiing today. Yeah. Um, and that's like really important. And then like, of course the moment will come during that day when I'm like, man, this is a killer clip. Like we're skiing <laughs> pow. I'm rolling with a crew. This is so cool. And I'll be like, no, you've told yourself this morning that this is for you yeah. and you have to hold that line. Uh, and, and it's difficult. It's difficult to not always be working because if you look around or if you're on your phone, it would appear that everyone else is always working and that's what it would take yeah. in order to make it. But, but that's not sustainable for me. So I have to have that like division where I'm working, you know, five days a week and spending two days a week, you know, just like skiing for my own passion or doing whatever I want, but it's just for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be hard to, uh, it's gotta be difficult to man. I know you said that, but it's, I look at it from the outside looking in and I don't know how anybody manages to split those things up, especially with the social component, right? Mm-hmm. Where everybody's always doing something and you always... There's like that risk. I talked to Bjarne about it a couple of weeks ago. And what he was saying kind of is like for a while, he was just scared to be away from his phone because he was afraid he was going to miss something. Oh my God. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you go on there and you're like, what did I, or like, if, <laughs> I think, I think when you're like scrolling, it feels like you're fulfilling this like thing. You're like yeah, yeah, catching yeah. up. But then if you were to like put your phone down and be like, okay, write in two sentences, truly what you've learned. <laughs> and it's like nothing. You didn't learn anything. Like, it's not, Yeah. it's, you know, we, we like, we know what our style is and the stories we want to tell. And it's, it has nothing to do with what other people are doing. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you're, if you're really doing something worthy of, of people's attention, it's, it's not because you're not being influenced by somebody else's 15 second clip. You're, you're doing it because you like have a deep seated desire to do it and then tell that story. It's, it's its own separate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it stresses me out a lot often, and I tried, he recommended to me, like, he's like, dude, two days a week, like, on the weekend, like, basically Friday night till Sunday night, I don't touch my phone. Like, I, like, I basically have it, so all social's off, all email's off, I don't answer anybody, like, text message, okay, but that's about the only thing that you can get me for during that time frame, and that's how he was like, look, that's that's how I need to separate my time, I realize that, because otherwise it's just, you're just in that cycle. Totally, I mean, I think we're all, we're, 
kind of all living through this period now where we're having to approach our phone and social like like diet culture you know it's like as yeah. people are like now now learning these things or like or like some sort of restrictive thing like a drug where where people are like i had a problem or i'm like developing a problem and now to, how do i build rules around this thing yeah where i can like now continue to function without it like taking away from my life yeah it's amazing and yeah and it's like if abstinence isn't an option for you because like social media is part of your work then how do you balance these things because you still have to go on you know yeah some amount of time yeah yeah i think i think a two day uh, like a weekend <laughs> creating a weekend where you don't go on social media that's a great way to balance it that's a great way to balance it's great it. it doesn't seem sustainable for me at least like yeah. it seems too difficult but i, I don't know as popular as an athlete and as a photographer as it gets right now. And like, he seems to be doing fine with it. So like, maybe it's just my own fear of like falling behind, I think. And that's, that's the thing that I chase all the time. Totally. Yeah. Like there's going to be, yeah. Uh, but there's, there's you never miss anything. You never miss, <laughs> you never miss anything. And, and here's, and here's like the greatest part about it all is that like society is still functioning. Like we're still able to communicate with each other through like old school avenues as in like conversation. Yeah. So if anything really does happen that is worth your time and attention on social media, your friends will tell you about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you'll, or you'll see it whenever you're back on, like it'll still be relevant a few days later. And it's everything cycles so quickly now mm -hmm. that it almost doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you miss something, does it actually matter? Like it, it and, that's, and that almost grants you freedom. And I, I mean, this is separate <laughs> and doesn't help with the whole thing, but like that almost gives me a little bit of freedom in posting. When I used to have all this like anxiety about posting and is this the, like the exact thing? And is this my voice? And is this the story I want to tell? And then I'm like, wow, you know what? Nobody cares actually, because this is going to mm -hmm. cycle out so fast. And it's this balance of like, of like wanting to have integrity in everything I say. And also, and also like, um, posting as much as is required as an athlete these days. And like, you can't, you can't like make everything perfect with your brand and continue to post four days a week. You need to be able to like be fluid and know that people will forgive you for inconsistencies. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pretty, it's the whole thing is like, it's a, it's I don't envy you. I don't envy, like, honestly, it, I think everybody thinks that it's, it's all great. And I'm sure you've heard this a million times where people, they think like the pro skier life is, is the best thing ever. And it's what everybody wants to do, but it's just, it seems like a lot, man. Like it seems like a lot. Well, I just, I think the only fallacy would be to think that it's not a job. Yeah. It 100% is. Yeah. And once you accept that, it becomes a whole lot easier because you're no longer living under this idea that it's like, um, yeah, that it's, it's just, you know, fun all the time. Cause yeah. it, it's all about expectation. And if you have the expectation that you're just going to go out and go skiing, pow, just like ski pow and jump out of helicopters and then go to shows and sign signatures, you'll, you'll be disappointed. You'll be disappointed all the time. Cause yeah. it's, it's a lot of other things, but I like it a lot because once I understood what it was, then I could, you know, like once you understand that it, it is work and it's a job and you're creating something, then you can find all the other beauty in it. Like you're, you're a craftsman of, of like maybe something inspiring or you're a storyteller or you can focus on the teamwork aspect of it. Like nobody's like doing this stuff alone. Like no one. 
And there's so many ways to like really enjoy the profession, yeah. but, but just like being rad and messing around and just going skiing all the time are not realities. So yeah. like, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think it is actually a, a really wonderful job, but not for the reasons people think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. And uh, all right, before we get too far, yeah, Jim Ryan, tell tell people <laughs> who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll continue yeah. where we just were. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, we kind of really jumped into it there. <laughs> uh, I'm Jim Ryan. I'm a professional skier based out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, I'm originally from Rutland, Vermont. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm here in West Springfield. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm back for the Killington World Cup, and I just got done with the Teton Gravity Research Tour. Yeah. Uh, which ended in um, for me, it ended in Boston, Mass. Yeah. And then I went up to see my parents in Rutland, and uh, and now I'm here. Roll right into the World Cup, and then fly tomorrow, and then this is like, yeah, dude, it's a cycle. I, that part is like that exactly what you just said, is the part that I think people don't understand, right? It's like how much go 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 is involved with it too, and as much as like we talked about it before we got on the mics, it's like it's great and you feel fulfilled, and it's and it's really important, and to be grateful for that stuff is awesome. But it's a lot of work, man. Like okay. it's it's you're going all the time. Like I'd be burnt out of shit already, and you're like still here smiling. I don't know how you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been home in five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. I mean, and that's why I'm you're here. enjoying it. Yeah. I I really do love it, and I and I I'm learning to love it more the more I do it. And I think that's just because I'm getting better at it. You know, anytime yeah. you have a job, the first week, month, year is super painful because you're spending all your excess, you know, there's the job and then all the other energy right. is just learning and getting your butt kicked. Yeah. And that for me took actual years. And I'm just now, you know, five years being a pro skier, just now being able to settle into the role. And yeah. And have time in between the events and the shoots to like focus on what I want to do next and growth and then a little bit of relaxation. But yeah, yeah, not so much. What did, what did the progression of your career kind of look like, right? You talk about kind of growing into it and, and figuring that stuff out. But I think the thing that everybody's so scared of with being a professional skier <clears throat> is figuring out a way to pay their bills. Right. Totally. And like figuring out how to actually make ends meet and and figure out how to do the profession part of it. So what did it look like in the beginning and how did it progress forward? Totally. I mean, the the beginning, the beginning is that I just like I've been skiing since I was two and grew up ski racing. So that was like my foundation. Yep. Um, and then once ski racing ended, I I, you know, pursued this path with everything I had. But you're right. It doesn't pay the bills. Not even close. And in, in the right. beginning, like, um. I mean, I don't know anybody who, who really was able to, in their first year of being like, I want to be a professional skier, have it pay for anything. Yeah. So I think my story is like a lot of other stories in that I, I was working several other jobs and then working on the content thing, like with all the free time I had. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, what I did, what I did, um, so I worked, I've worked a million jobs in that, in both the off seasons and in the winter, I was a ski coach for a lot of it and in Jackson Hole, there's a, the ski club is on snoking, so it was at night. Yeah. So I would ski all day at Jackson Hole, and then from like, you know, what was it, like four to seven at night, I would coach uh, racing at yeah. the local hill. And so that like worked out really well. So I'd just be like in my ski boots all day. <laughs> but it was great. It was great. No, that's it, a like, ton of time on then, hill. 
I never had to like transition my brain to like being a bartender where I like took myself out. I was like completely focused on right. skiing. Although I did do the bartending thing, a couple different restaurants. I worked in you know retail shops. Yeah. Um, in the summers I did like all sorts of work everywhere. Um, from like raft guiding to a bit of work in California. Um, that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with and just like, yeah, I just made it ends meet and, and then spent all of my like extra time and resources on trying to create this thing. Mm. And I think the biggest difference between kind of my path and a lot of my peers was that I w just like said out loud what my, what I wanted to do. Like there's so many people um, that move to these ski towns and they're, and they're like creating content and they want to be seen and who, you know, they, you know, maybe they want to be in the films, maybe they don't, but you don't know. And I like, from the moment I moved to Jackson before I had a single clip worth watching was like, I would like to be a pro skier. Not, I would like to, I was like, I I'm here to be a pro skier yeah. and I want to ski for Warren Miller and I want to ski for Teton gravity research. That's what I want to do. That's why I moved here. And this is what, this is what I'm doing. And especially those like first couple of years before I had any sort of like claim. I had a lot of people just like call me an idiot straight up. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you're right. It's, yeah, it's like, it's hard to envision it. If you don't feel it, it's hard for anybody else to feel it, envision it, see it. Like yeah. it's, it's a, it's a weird job to be like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. People are like, yeah. you'll never make it. Yeah. So I like, I get It's like burned into the back of my brain and it yeah. still fires me up. But like, yeah, <laughs> being like down like downtown in the cowboy bar and this dude coming up to me and being like you're never gonna make it i've seen a thousand of you before and you are no different and mm. me going home and being like like fuck that guy fuck like, that guy, man. <laughs> like, like he doesn't know me um, yeah yeah it like still fires me up. that it stuff still, gets you going still gets me still gets me going that's sick yeah i love that I love that. That like spite thing. I think people are like afraid to be a little fueled by like the spite and like the like I'm going to prove you wrong type shit. And I actually think it's really important in this industry because everybody is so like no, no, no mm -hmm. about everything it feels like sometimes. So like being able to do that stuff and kind of look back and be like, fuck you. Like it's I did it. It's here. Like I'm doing it. I'm happy. Like this is because you're not doing it for them and you're not doing it because they said you couldn't. But like. It still feels good to just be like, this I mean, is where I'm at. Yeah, totally. And it's one of a million motivators. Cause it's For like, sure, yeah. Like, I couldn't just focus on that one comment. That wouldn't get me out of bed in the morning. It's like, it's the love of the sport. And it's all the people that said, like, you got this. Right, also. right. And it, it's, it's people believing in me. Like, the very first person that signed me, Sarah Lordson, like, I... I put in work for her too. Cause like, you know, whatever, six years ago she signed me and I'm not going to let her go down. Cause six years ago, you know, like she said, yeah, right. you, you belong here. And it's like, Holy crap. It's like, that's another motivator. People believing you. It's just as powerful, if not right. more. For sure. Yeah, For sure. What it, was there times when you were like, this is not going to work. I mean, obviously there's that moment when you're like that, but was there like a grind season when you can remember that you were like, I'm going to quit. The closest I got, the closest I got was the year, the year before, the year of like preceding my first ever call from Warren Miller. Okay. I was like, I was having a hard time and I'd put years into it at this point and I was just like dead broke. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I like, yeah, I, 
I was having these thoughts of like, I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. (laughs) But I hadn't said them out loud. And then that March, I got a call. Warren Miller, do you want to go to Alaska? And it was like, (laughs) yeah. What did that feel like? And what is it like when you get that call? Like, what are the next steps? (laughs) I mean... I didn't tell after I got that call, I like screamed in the street. Right. <laughs> but then, but then I didn't tell anybody until like two days before I got on the plane. Cause I, I couldn't believe it was real. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like, I, it was like a total secret because I, I, this industry, you know, it's like, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And I, I couldn't believe that this was actually happening for me mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to talk about it or tell anyone because there's so many promises, right? People like promises. Dude, this is an industry full of bailers, dude. Like right. every like broken promises is like what this whole thing is built on. Totally. And I, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a fool. Right. So I, I was like, all right, I'm not going to talk about it till the moment <laughs> I'm on the plane. And, and then even then I couldn't believe it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't even like promote my role in the film till I saw it in the theater. Like, yeah. It took so long for it to become real for me. Um, why Why that, like, it's, maybe it's anxiety, but, like, why? Why do you feel that way? Why did you feel like you couldn't promote it? I mean, because to me, once you film it and you do that part. Yeah, but I had never seen that, right? Right, I guess that's true. You no, know, I had never, like, I didn't know how it worked. Like, I know, I, I went up there, I skied, they had the cameras, but, like, right. I'm not believing anything <laughs> at that point until I see it on the screen. And even then, it was so hard for me. Like, it was so hard no for me. Shit. Yeah, totally. Totally. And that's what I'm talking about now, like, five years into this thing. Of, like, yeah. I've been in, what, are, seven feature <laughs> films. Like, that now is when I, I get I can, like, get up on stage and, and be like, I belong here. Yeah. And this is real, and that I made that, and that is that is my craft. Yeah. But it's taken that long. Oh, that's I, I don't know. I guess my question is still just why 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 does it take that long for you to feel comfortable in what you're doing? And it, it, again, in this particular instance, I think it has nothing to do with the money aspect of it, right? Because like I end up talking about the money part of being a professional skier and being in this industry in general quite a bit. But I don't think that part that you're talking about right now has anything really to do with that. It just, it, I don't know. Like, at what point do you feel a sense of belonging and how do you get that feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's got to come from within. That's the whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Because you're never going to get a, a stamp of approval. You're never going to graduate. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're never going to get, like, your license or, like, graduate from the bar or, like, right, get right, to right. put MD at the end of your name. It's like, right. Jim Ryan pro skier. When do I get to say that? I feel like Warren Miller is kind of that stamp. TGR is kind of that stamp, dude. Like that should be enough. No, no, I agree. I agree. But like it, I, I wasn't going to say it before it was real. Okay. Uh, You know, like that's, that was, that was important to me. And, and I, and I agree. And like, heck, like you can, it doesn't matter. Say it whenever you feel it. That's like that's the thing. Like say right. it whenever you feel it. But yeah, it took me a, it took me a long time, Pro- longer than it should have. Mirror Energy is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast, and we have their nutrition tip of the week: uh, eat breakfast. 
It's as simple as that. Breakfast is, uh, they used to say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And I don't know if it's the most important meal of the day, but it's my favorite generally. Like sometimes I skip breakfast and my day's sadder. So don't do that. Uh, pop, even if you're not hungry when you first wake up, pocket an egg sandwich. Okay. Hear me out. Like I think pocket sandwiches are the way of the future. I think there's only one way to bring a mobile snack situation. If you are like, think about it. Are you going to bring cereal? You know what I mean? Like you're going to carry milk in a separate bag and cereal in a separate bag and like mix them. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. So bring breakfast with you. If you're not going to eat it ahead of time before you do stuff, your body needs carbs. You need to have energy. You need to be able to run through all of the activities that you're going to do, especially if you're going to go out in the mountains. So, uh, simple solutions, pocket egg sandwiches, people do pocket bacon, people do People do a lot of pocket stuff. I actually want, okay, one time I saw a guy do a pocket Bloody Mary and it was a straight, like literally it was like in a little baggie, he had a straw and he was ready to go. Like I've never seen someone, that's not breakfast by the way and I'm not condoning this activity, but it is a thing that I've seen for breakfast or, oh, I dropped it. You can bring a mirror energy gel. This is cashew vanilla mate. This is the one that I've had on my desk for a little bit. It is phenomenal and it is actually a good breakfast flavor. So, Go get yourself some Mirror Energy at MirrorEnergy.com. Yeah, but like everybody's got their own stuff and everybody's got their own journey to it. And yeah. I think you end up where you end up. And obviously this has worked out for you to this point. So yeah. I, you know, there's nothing that we can go back on and be like, oh, we should have done it this way. Like you're, you're doing great. Like again, like I think just being in the type of films that you're in right now speaks volumes by itself. Like you don't need to say anything like Jim Ryan pro skier. I'm in Warren Miller, TGR, period, right? Like everybody you'd talk to, because that's always a tough thing, right? You hear people say, oh, I'm a pro skier, oh, I'm a pro skier, I'm a pro skier all the time now, mm-hmm. it, which I don't have a problem with, and I don't really know why anybody would have a problem with, but I, I talked to Chris Davenport a few years ago, and he was like, look, you're not a pro skier until you can pay your bills off of skiing, right? And that's it was a weird line for me to draw, and I don't know if it makes sense, it, and, but I don't know how you draw the line any other way. I I just don't think there should be a line. I, you know, I don't. You are what you feel like is that it, what? Just like yeah, I don't. And and that's the thing. Like, I think the label doesn't really matter that much. And that's like kind of what you're saying there. Like, it's like maybe stop labeling yourself as a pro skier or not. Just like you, you're a skier. Yeah, I'm a skier. And then here are the films I've been in. Here's what I made. Yeah. That's it. That's it for me. It has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with anything. I'm a skier, and this is what I've done. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, cause you're right. I have no problem with people saying they're a pro skier. I have zero, zero problem with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think some people are just uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, they did all this work. They got to this point. They worked really hard, whatever. And then someone just gets to claim it. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth a little bit on it because I think there, there has to be something, right? Like there has to be some credits to that you know what i mean like you can't just go out there and say it and i think now with social you can just go out there and say it Mm -hmm. and that makes it difficult too so like again i I don't think there needs to be a hard line but there there's got to be some accountability for a job i can't go and say that i'm a lawyer you know what i mean like right and that's and that's that's where it's a little tough yeah 
And I'm not like, again, I, I think there's a certain aspect of it that's very much like gatekeeping, right? Like, and it's like being shitty in general, you know, <laughs> where you're just like, fuck you. You're not a pro skier. I'm better than you. You know, it's right, like right. that well, classic, it's just, which it's, is stupid. It's just not going to help anything. Right. Yeah. It doesn't make anything better. It makes nobody feel good. And then they remember you as the piece of shit that said that like 10 years from now when they actually are a pro skier. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Like you never want to be that person. Right. But there's also like, it's a, like we said, it's an industry of broken promises. It's an industry of people just saying whatever they feel like. And it's so much of what happened on the mountain stays on the mountain a lot of times. And people just exist in their own bubbles. And, and that kind of stuff does, again, like it's a job, right? You get paid. This is your actual career. I don't blame anybody for feeling some type of way, you know, when they're like, they're uncomfortable with the fact that someone's doing it. But I also think it, it takes a level of discipline and empathy to just be like, look, I don't, I don't care what you call yourself. It's fine. Like we're all good. Totally. It doesn't affect me at all. Totally. So yeah. It's yeah. It's a little weird, but, um, let me ask you, I'm sure people have asked you about this a million times, but growing up in new England, how did that affect uh, you won your ability to become a pro skier, your skiing in general, people always talk about like people from new England are better skiers because they ski in shit conditions and blah, blah, blah. Like people do this all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but I think you get used to skiing in shittier conditions more often than that part of it's probably true. Um, so what was that like for you? What was the transition from being in new England being a new England born skier to going to a place like Jackson and skiing that kind of terrain? Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't. Okay. So I, I grew up ski racing. Yep in Vermont. And so I, I developed like what it takes to be a New England ski racer, like strong outside ski, yep. knew how to, you know, tune my skis really well <laughs> and get to the front of the boot, all that. And then I, I brought that kind of to the, like the Western mountains. And I think just because there are so few like East coast, uh, skiers that have kind of attempted the big mountain you know path it it has allowed me to really have a style that is unique and and i've been able to like showcase that and it's really cool like my whole segment for tgr this past year um was filmed during the five-week drought so there's a it's huge drought in the west last winter and basically everybody had had written off filming during it of just like man, we can't help this. The weather, yeah. the weather is what it is. And just kind of a pause on content creation, ski movie, everything. We're just going to, we're going to hold off until it snows and then we're going to keep going. And I was like, I, I think, I think I can do something with this. And I, I came to TGR with this idea of it's midwinter conditions, granted very thin snowpack, but it's stable high in the Tetons. And I think I have a skill set, a unique skill set here where I can build a segment, even though it hasn't snowed in four or five weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I built my whole, my whole segment for TGR during that drought whole thing. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so like my, my background as a new England ski racer really kind of has allowed me to move into a, a space in like mountaineering now that I wouldn't have otherwise. And, and then even beyond that, I shouldn't say beyond that, like tangential, I have made a, like a whole name for myself in ski movies and content as like the guy who can carve, you know, the guy who can carve, <laughs> like true. period, yeah, just like true. that. Like I've, I got to film, I filmed the 
Warren Miller segment at Sun Valley, one at Killington, yeah. and then last year I made one in Davos, Switzerland, all of them on hardpack. Like, all of these <laughs> segments on full hardpack, like shiny ice conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was awesome, and it continues to be awesome, and it's it's so cool because it's like this this skill that I – I felt like was a non-negotiable growing up here, you know, yeah. just like knowing how to bend a ski and stand on hard pack snow. Yeah. And it is a lot, it is like allowed me to be unique and interesting to like a huge audience. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's very relatable. Yeah. Like it's, it's funny. It's, it's relatable, but it's not like no, not many people are going out and doing it at that level, mm-hmm. but people see it. It's, it's funny this like turning thing is like having a renaissance right now where everybody is into watching people just make pretty like beautiful turns. Mm -hmm. And usually when you think about a pro athlete doing something, like you have these images ingrained in your head, like of what they do. And and for me, it's you just turning. Like it's when I think of it, it's you just like fully trenched in a turn. Like if somebody was asking me what Jim Ryan looks like when he skis, that's, that's what's there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just interesting to me to see how much people give a shit about just something that is as simple and as basic, but as high level as, as making a good turn. Totally. Yeah. It's like, um, I, I don't know. It's like the whole concept of sushi, right? Like, yeah, people, like totally. want to add like endless stuff <laughs> on top of their sushi, but sushi, all it really is, is like really good rice. Yeah. You yeah. know, totally. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. It's like, it's the foundation for everything we're doing out there is is the turn. And so to be able to like do that with a style and precision and, and skill that is like as high level as you think you can get or like as I can get, um, yeah, it's cool. People really respond to it. Yeah. What was it like for you being back this weekend for the World Cup? Like do you, you still enjoy watching ski racing, I assume? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, yeah, I have no desire to go back back to ski racing <laughs> but uh i mean watching that is really cool i mean anytime yeah. you watch somebody exercising extreme skill no matter what it is it is just the best it's so fun to watch and with ski racing in particular i can relate a little bit like i know i know how difficult it is what those women are doing and how fast they're going and and what it takes yeah so it's it's a really killer event and yeah, yeah and it's like it's in my hometown. Yeah, right. So many of my friends, uh, you know, are are still there. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's it's crazy the energy that the people around this area bring to that event. Like you, it, even just watching it on video, you're like, holy fucking shit! There's so many people, so many people that are just excited to watch people go ski terrible conditions right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's it's cool, and I mean, in terms of conditions for ski racing it's pretty good i mean it's right, like, right, 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 it's right. firm and it's deep right. and <laughs> so it's kind of a great venue it is it it works out really well and i was honestly shocked that they even were able to put it together because like two weeks ago it was like bare there's every, nothing every year there's it's like nothing. is it gonna happen yeah. is it gonna happen and then like the week before it gets cold enough their snowmaking so oh dialed and they just make it happen so stressful i can't even imagine the people that are putting that event on i would not want to be in their shoes no no, no thank you um what what is it like for you watching ski racing these days in general? Cause I, I think again, I, I go back and forth on this, whether ski racing is still super relevant. I think it's extremely important. Like don't, don't get me wrong, 
but I think the way that people are consuming ski racing content is very different than it used to be. Mm. And it's, I feel like less young people are doing it. You know what I mean? Like it, it, at least from when I was a kid, it feels like everybody was ski racing. It feels like everybody like had a ski racing program in their school. Like for example, like local high school here, there used to be a local, like the high school had a team. The high school in the next town had a team. Like, everybody had a team. None of those programs even exist anymore in these areas. Never mind the racing side of it. The ski clubs don't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, from your perspective, where where is ski racing at health-wise? I know it's hard to just take a general gauge on something like that, but you ski for a company that ski racing matters to very much, you know? And a lot of these companies, like for Fisher, it matters very much, too. It just... It's important for the business, but I always wonder, is it healthy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Because I I feel like even during my, you know, short career as a ski racer, I saw like the ebbs and flows of like, you know, Eastern Cups being packed and you can't even get in them to like, where is everybody? And then back again, you know, like when Michaela hit the scene, and, and watching the surge that came in with totally. her of, of like totally. young women ski racers, like that was amazing. Uh, and so where it, where it stands right now, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sure it'll go through like a lot more, you know, ups and downs before whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a hard one. And I don't, I don't have a good answer. Like I've talked to a million people with a million different opinions on this topic. And, and I guess for me, I'm just, I'm watching it in two ways, I guess, like at the local level and at the retail level. And I can tell you like at the retail level, everybody's sick of it. Mm. Like there's like a few shops that do it really well and they love it and that's what they want to do. And they kind of corner their little market, but everybody else is just kind of like, it's fucking hard to deal with race. Like it's, it's expensive. It's expensive for the end consumer. It's annoying because there's constantly stuff going on with it. Like you have to constantly be servicing that equipment and you have to have the right stuff at the right time for the right person. And like, ski race dads are notoriously like picky and they need to be on their shit and they need everything to be part like that's just part of it you know mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing but it's just it makes it another step harder i think for people to kind of get into the ski racing side of things mm-hmm. because less places are now supporting it right so it just feels like this slippery slope of uh, but on the other side it's like you mentioned the michaela thing and she's crushing it like she's, <laughs> she's the greatest of all time and she's very much making it relevant for like girls, boys, whatever to go out there and ski race. Like it seems like people actually want to and they give a shit about it when she's on the hill. Myself included. Like I don't really give a shit that much in general about ski racing. But when Michaela's on, I watch. Mm-hmm. You know? So there's like, there's ebbs and flows, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the future's, he- like where that sport is headed. I hope it stays healthy just yeah. because, you know, I saw all the benefit in it and, and to have like some structure, especially for like at some point for kids, you know, yeah. just because, I mean, I've reached a point in my career where it's, it's like, I like to experiment in all these different realms and be free form and exercise creativity. But that's because I have this foundation where I, yeah you know, learned these things and that's because it was set up within a ski club and then a mountain school and I had coaches and they taught me all these tools yeah. and, and we were, we were working within a circuit, you know, where we were competing against all these other people. And it, it was like, 
it, it provided a lot of structure for me to like get better at skiing, have friendships, have coaches that were also mentors and travel all it provided all right. of those things. And it's really hard, I think to, for families to do those things or get that benefit just on their own. Yeah. And, and it might seem like ski racing is a lot of, it's, it is a lot of, um, it's a headache up front with the gear and totally. all that stuff. But in the end, I would imagine to get the same level of experience, it would probably cost just as much if you were to try to do it on your own sure. as a family. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. And honestly, like it, there's no doubt that if someone has a ski racing background, like their core and their base of their ability to go skiing is, is probably better than any other discipline. Like if you start park skiing and I'm not like, picking on one versus the other but it's like you look at somebody who ski raced and you know they ski raced and because they're a strong confident skier you know what i mean like you can it comes with the territory to a certain extent right because you get those reps you get to be out there and you kind of somebody explains to you like this is how you do it and you go through the training and and it builds you up in a way that i think just going out and skiing doesn't always do totally yeah so, i mean i couldn't agree more. you treat that. it like a sport i guess yeah. it's different in that respect right because i think it also gives people a focus, you know, and I think that's probably a, an important part of it too. Like it gives some, like it gives you a target to shoot at. It's yeah. One of the hardest things about skiing is like you just go skiing. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. And, and, and that's, and that's the best part is that it like it, it skiing is anything you want it to be. And right. so when you are a kid having, just having somebody kind of create some rules, guidelines and a goal. Yeah. Helps helped yeah. me you know and my young mind because i would have had i don't think without it without somebody kind of creating a goal within this of like showing me the yeah. point i would have stayed in it as long because I, I wanted something to aim at yeah exactly kind of switching gears a little bit here what what does it look like you get that call from warren miller you get that call from tgr how does all that work like how that's i guess the the most simple way that i can ask that question does like how does the whole system work how do you actually get into the movie and get into the film and make sure it all works and get your sponsors to be on board like that's a process that i think people don't realize exists either i think they think you just get the call you get on a plane and it's done yeah um you have to start with the sponsors always okay yeah so there's exceptions to all For sure. these yeah, yeah yeah but the general principle is that the like ski movies are sponsor driven. Right. right? And, and you can look at that as like this awful thing, or you can realize that that's how the industry works and it's, yeah. it's totally fine. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's actually great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I agree. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, like for my first call for Warren Miller, it's, I got tapped by Warren Miller because I had just been signed to the vocal pro team. Yep. So they're like, okay, vocal is a, a sponsor we we want you know an athlete that can that's new that can handle uh alaska how about this new guy jim ryan yep and that was and that was a conversation that i wasn't even a part of between you know vocal and warren miller so you had no idea like this conversation happened separately closed doors. okay yeah, yeah um and then i and then you they decide and then you get the call yep yeah um and then you show up and with warren miller in particular they have a storyline they have a location you're an athlete one of two one of three um, and 
you have a very specific role. Um, and they, and they, you know, you can, you can like have your creativity flex within that, yep. but they have an idea for the segment and the story that they're going to tell. Um, and you're a character within it. And that's, it's a, it's a bizarre way, like looking at it from the outside. I think people are so used to seeing like that finished product mm-hmm. at the end and it's like polished. And it, and I, I think people don't really have an ability to grasp what the process looks like too. Cause I think it's always, when you look at the finished product, you don't realize that everything before that, that happened to make this finished product was not guaranteed. Oh, you know, like you ending up like you being able to ski the line, like you being able to get something worth being in the film, like you actually putting it all together, uh, them deciding to use your shit. Like there's so many more steps that happen before this actually comes out. Totally. I think, I mean, I've, uh, whenever I talk about this, everybody's always like, wow, it would be so cool to see a behind the scenes of like what it takes to go to a ski movie. And I'm like, yeah, but it would also be so expensive. You'd have to follow someone around and then yeah. nothing's guaranteed. And that's the whole point is that nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. And that every shot that you see in a ski movie for every one second, you know, it's like hours and hours and hours of work on top of what was probably a lifetime devotion to that sport for that person. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's just incredible, you know, like what, I, what I like to talk about is the teamwork aspect because you're only seeing the athlete for you're sure. Ju- you're just seeing me super right? segmented too by the way, like it is your segment. This is where you are. This is just you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just me. Right. But what you don't see is, you know, the two cinematographers or the, you know, two cinematographers, drone flyer, uh, the producer, uh, the guide who's running safety, all these other people all working in conjunction up in Alaska, sitting in a cannery for three weeks, Mm -hmm. trying to make this one line come together. It's, an incredible team effort and that's just the front end and then it goes to you know the whole editing bay which is just months and months and months of people sitting down saying okay now we have this how do we turn this into a story within the greater context of a film it's just like a huge effort to make these ski films every year and and yeah and then you just see this finished project product which just looks like here's a bunch of people going skiing and we just happen (laughs) happen to capture it you know it's like it's crazy and that's like the greatest trick Right. Yeah. It's the yeah, it's yeah, this yeah. like wonderful illusion that we create that we just so happen to be out there living our lives and and here it is for you to consume. But like the amount of work that goes into every segment is huge. And I think that it's actually better understanding that because it, it adds so much more context. It's like yeah, it's like watching a really good chef, maybe or something. I don't yeah. know. Like it's really wonderful knowing so, cause now when I, I watch a ski movie, I'm, I'm looking for all these little things and I'm seeing a line and I'm looking not just for the line they're skiing, but I'm looking for like the boot back up on the horizon right. or something like that. And cause I know that they had to climb this thing yeah. and I'm, if I, it's in Alaska, I know that they didn't just show up and ski this. They were probably there for three weeks before they got that line mm-hmm. and somebody had scouted it, you know years before and had been holding it in their minds eye knowing they would return like all of these things have to line up with with ski movies in general do you think there's more of a place for that behind the scenes stuff and yes like it would cost a lot but there there's a lot of storytelling that's starting to happen whether it's Mm -hmm. through people's individual channels or like i always use nikolai Shermer as a great example because like the way that that dude tells the story of the stuff that he's doing i think Mm -hmm. and obviously it's on an individual basis but it's like highly high level produced stuff 
that he's able to go through and tell a story for. And I'm not saying that there's no story in this other stuff because there certainly is, Mm -hmm. but that like background almost makes you feel more connected to the athlete and more connected to the, the whole adventure of it. Is there more of a place like that for that? And is it, is it available and why doesn't it happen more? I guess, you know? Yeah. I would say, uh, if anyone has shown us that there's more of a place for storytelling, it's the climbing community for sure. Like what they've done with, you know, free solo and I mean, Don wall was an incredible film. Yeah. Unbelievable. But if you had just done a seven minute highlight reel of Tommy Caldwell, just climbing that it's like, it would be totally lost, but they put it in the context of his life and it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think there's definitely a place for storytelling. I think we, that the industry has to figure out who, whose story it wants to tell. And yeah, it's like, it's also this dichotomy of in, in climbing specifically these superstars getting their whole life told. And then the rest kind of just being just these little clips. Right. And you don't see anything. Um, and then like the superstars. So I think the industry kind of has to decide whose story it wants to tell. Um, because the because the resources that go into telling something like the deep dive of a story right are huge are just really big well, and you can't like nobody's gonna if we go the other side and we tell everybody's story like a through z nobody's gonna fucking watch it exactly you know that's what I mean? the thing you got so they have to decide who's worthy of it and then put the resources yeah. behind it and then you know hope it has the success of free solo yeah for sure yeah <laughs> I mean good good luck for sure but it it feels like everybody kind of has their own vein right now. It, for the most part, it's like Warren Miller, you know who that audience is, Mm -hmm. you know? And like people go and they see a Warren Miller movie every single year. And they probably have since however long, like forever, you know, there's those people that show up at those premieres, even in like Hartford, like it's crazy. People show up and they've been gone for 30 years, you know, or longer. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's such a bizarre experience. And that's why Warren Miller is like, it's iconic. It's there. It's always going to be there. It is like, it's a staple of the industry, but it's very different than, an MSP or a TGR or any of these other production companies or a YouTube film that comes out. That's like a 20 minute long film on somebody. There's just, there's so much content out there. And I just, I kind of wonder how people are going to separate it more and more going forward. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's interesting. And I think TGR sometimes gets stuck in this, in this area where, their production level is so high and everything is like so high quality and everything is so big and so ridiculous that people are psyched to watch it. Like, I mean, you saw Boston, like obviously people lose their shit to watch this stuff, but the longevity of it, I don't know if it's the same as an individual story being told, but how do you tell that individual story and then put it out on a big scale? It's like, it's this really difficult Mm -hmm. equation to kind of figure out. And I'm not the person to figure it out. It's just, I'm just, yeah, I mean, TGR has done this thing recently where they they have their annual ski film, but then they've also been branching out in right. different forms, right? With their, like, they did the HBO Edge of the Earth thing. Totally, and it was incredible. Yeah, and they did the Andy Irons thing. Yep. And and so they, they have definitely been working into these other modes, and I think that that is, um, I think it's genius, to be honest. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you're right. Like, uh, with the annual ski movie, yeah, it's almost like it's it's aimed for like an age and a demographic that people kind of like cycle in and cycle out of. Right. Um, and that's because, yeah, it's it's specifically for people who are like 
want to watch uh like the furthest edge of what's capable in action right ski action right um yeah and that that is for a specific audience that is like the holy bible Mm -hmm. and it's it's incredible but i don't think it it might not hold somebody for like 30 years right yeah but but for like a 25 year old for me specifically at 25, it was like the greatest thing I could ever spend my time doing is watching those films. Yeah. So yeah. But then, but then as that person wants something else, they, they're like working to provide that with the other, with the mm-hmm. long form storytelling and expedition stuff. Yeah. Cetus is a sponsor of the out of bounds podcast. I'm a huge fan of running an insult. Okay. This is funny that we're doing this ad read either immediately before or immediately after Jim Ryan talks about not running anything in his ski like he's a psychopath do not be like him do not do that okay run a footbed it makes a world of difference it's made a world of difference for me and now 3d insoles exist from cetus with merino wool so your boots don't smell like garbage merino wool is the real deal keeps you warm and it also is naturally antimicrobial it does not smell so you even though you're smelly your feet will not be smelly anymore at least not because of your footbeds okay um just do it they make a low arch a medium arch and a high arch version of this footbed and it's super easy super easy to fit in your in your boot or your liner rather and uh and i'm a huge fan we've run them at the shop for quite some time uh and i've sold a million of them honestly like before we even were working with them at this capacity this is just a relationship that makes a lot of sense um it only makes your boot fit better there's no downside to having one of these. So go and get yourself a new footbed from Cetus at us.cetus.com or go to your local retailer, ask them if they carry Cetus products. And if they do, get yourself a footbed coated in merino wool. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you watch TGR and like you're at House of Blues or whatever and everybody's standing. And I think yeah. that's a good indication of like the excitement and the type of film that you're about to watch too. Is like mm-hmm. everybody's on their feet for the whole time and they do not give a shit. Everybody right. is so excited to be there. Everybody's so happy to be there. And they're like, everything that happens, they're fully invested in it, which is, is a great thing. I started to get a little depressed is the wrong word, but a little weirded out by like the whole annual ski movie thing when level one stopped doing them. Mm-hmm. And like, that was like a sign that, okay, there it's not as health. Like the whole scene maybe isn't as healthy as we think it is mm-hmm. from the outside. And it's not, maybe not sustainable to just keep doing an annual ski film every year. But totally. there's also the other argument, like maybe there's just too many, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I definitely mourned the loss of level one. Yeah. Big time, sure. like really big time. Um, I, I think I, I mourned it as a fan a little sure. bit because like level one was creating something that, you know, like I'm, yeah, I ski, I'm a, I turn, I ski hardback and, yeah. and then I like climb things yeah. like uh, ski mountaineering and that wasn't their brand. And so I got to like, just be a fan of what they put out every year and watch, yeah. s- watch a style of skiing that I wasn't trying to be in. I got to just be like, let these people be my heroes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when that went away, I was really bummed about it cause, cause they, they brought so much to the sport in terms of just like changing it up and being different. And it was yeah. really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. I don't, and it was, and you're right. It was the first indicator that maybe this isn't like, uh, as economically viable long-term as, but then, 
But then it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Like, I go back and forth with it all the time. Yeah. I also don't know any of the details of why that stopped. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. But it was, the, it was the first time that I think people questioned it ever. For sure. Yeah. I mean, part of it for sure is Berman just got burnt out with it. Right. Like, so that's it's definitely like, part of it. That's like, that's a personal thing that has nothing right. to do with right. with the, the economics or like the sustainability. It's just like one person being like, I, I who am like personally carrying a company would like to do something else, please. Like then, and that has, you know, that's yeah. like, it's not fine. A, valid. A hundred percent. Totally. Like, can't argue with that. Totally. Yeah. Can't argue with that. And it's, it, it was weird. It was a wake up call for people. I think not because of that part of it though, because it was this machine. Like you watch like level one content was like, it was an institution for people for a long time, especially people like our age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's the. Like you would just watch that shit. It was just out, and it was just, like, mind-blowing shit after mind-blowing shit, like, every single season. So then it stops, and you're like, man, like, this is this is different. Like, this is a weird, like, I remember just being like, this is a weird feeling, like, to just know that it's, like, done. Mm-hmm. But then they still put stuff out, and I'm just, like, that part is a little. It was like a soft breakup. Yeah, it was literally like a soft <laughs> breakup. It's like, yeah, we can still, like, be friends, but, yeah. like, it's and that's kind of where it ended up. Because, like, now they're putting out still great shit. It's just not as long, and it, they're not calling it an annual film. Yeah. So they just did fucking three parts in a row of Parker White. Like, it's just. Yeah, I know. I know. But, like, it just like a soft breakup, nobody's, like, complaining because they're like, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It, it's, it's all fine. And they can still have movie premieres. Like, they still... Totally. I went. I'm just like, that place was fucking slammed. And everybody was hyped to be there. There was like a 45-minute wait to get into the fucking building. Exactly. Yeah. So, I I don't know. Maybe it's perfectly healthy. And, yeah. and Berman just felt like, I need a break. Yeah, which is fine. Okay, 100%. Is fine. I don't blame him. I want to break every day. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, dude, I'm like, every day I'm tired. I can't imagine what that dude feels. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it is really... It's really interesting. How, how do you feel about the YouTube content? Like in the stuff that comes out that's like highly produced and it's specifically made for small, medium screen as opposed to being put on the big screen. I think it's awesome. You're a fan of it. I'm a total fan. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, I think that people should be able to take it into their own hands or like with a small team and create things. And, and then, yeah, then the public gets to decide if it's worthy. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's great. I think it's really great. I, I think it's, um, you know, social media did that with the most extreme form of now everyone has a platform and we saw like what that does. I think that YouTube is enough of a, and especially with the highly produced stuff where it's like, okay, these people are put, still putting in huge amounts of effort. It's not, they're not For just sure. posting to get that like daily dopamine hit. They're like trying to create something that is worthy of our time. Um, and they're putting a huge amount of effort into it. And the ones that survive and make it are the ones that are, that are interesting compelling and beautiful and so yeah i think that youtube's a great platform is there someone that you're watching lately that you're like i am a huge fan of this person and what they're putting out um yeah uh i i think that cody townsend is doing a really good job with the 50 project i think he's doing a really excellent job um he he like he created that whole thing for himself it's (laughs) freaking awesome it's incredible he it's, like has like this is like his third career now. Yeah, like he just he just made it. He just decided he was going to do it and did it. Yeah, hell yes, it's crazy. Hell yes, um, it's really cool. It's really cool. Uh, it's also like he's he, you know, in in like choosing an objective and telling a story. They're all kind of made up. You know, like 
we're aiming towards a peak or we want to ski this line or I want to do this number of days or this amount of vert or ski all the lines in this mm. book. And he, it doesn't really matter what you choose. It, the whole point is that you're like choosing something that's difficult and then we see the journey and to get to that end point. Yeah. And so it's, it was, it's cool. He chose a cool objective. Yeah. Um, and one that's fun to follow. Yeah. yeah. So I like that. It is crazy to me too that people have been so invested in following it. Like it is a full on like people are in the Cody Townsend cult right now. Oh, big time! So many people are a member because it's like it's easy to quantify. Like there's 50 lines. Yeah, let's watch as he does this yeah. and like gets over these hurdles. It's it's that's why it's a great yeah. objective. You know, it's it's yeah. you can't ambiguity is tough. People grapple with like with yeah. this idea. Like if you don't lay out clearly what you're doing or why. We'll have a hard time. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing now, which For is why sure. like on the other end of the spectrum, I'm a huge fan of the bunch because yeah. they have managed to create a following with, with having no clear. Objective. I'm so confused. Like I'm I, so <laughs> I love it. I love Me it. Cause, too. Cause they're the just best. like, they just like looked at the sport <laughs> and then ignored everything. They're like, you know what? We're just going to go do whatever oh, we feel yeah. like doing. And people yeah. hate. Cause it's like, I mean, they're trying something new, right? They're they're yeah. they're just ignoring what everybody says is cool, or like how you're supposed to ski, or like <laughs> what's rad, or all of this, and and some of it is silly. Some of it's silly, but it's and, so sick. Like, but it's but it's so awesome because in the end, yeah. it's just like a group of people who are out there having fun and experimenting and enjoying themselves, and that comes through because it doesn't yeah. always come through in media when people are like truly enjo enjoying themselves. For sure. Um. I, I am a huge fan of the bunch. Huge fan. I yeah. wasn't expecting that, but that's, it's totally valid and it makes total sense now that you're saying it. It's, yeah. It, and I'm a huge fan too. Like it's, I love the, it's just random. Sometimes it just feels like it's just happening. You yeah. Know what I mean, and like they put out a film or a, like a 20 minute bit and you're like, where did this come from? Like there was no lead up to it. There was no, oh, we're going to put like, they put it out like a week ahead of time. And they're like, oh yeah, it's coming, it's coming out. And everybody just loses their shit. And some people have it like that, dude. Like some people just have it to this, whatever it is, they have that it where people just give a shit about them no matter what it is. Totally. But they've also like influenced my behavior like the bunch has. Cause I'm like, wow, look at this group of guys messing around on a set of bleachers yeah. for what looks like days. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I'm seeing multiple outfits here. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, you know, I'm waiting around with my friends and I'm like, guys, we could just stand here on our phones or we could mess around on the snowbank for 25 minutes because, yeah. you know, I saw this group of people who really had a blast on a set of bleachers yeah. recently. And it's cool. It's their, their approach to, to life in letting go of, of the rules and notions of what is cool. They've allowed themselves to have a greater experience in a greater amount of places. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That That's like two things that you're enjoying right now that are not related at all. Seemingly. You know what I mean? Totally. It's, but both of them are telling their own story and they're doing it in their own way. Exactly. And exactly. that's, that's kind of back to the point. It's because on one side of it, it's like, yeah, Cody laid out this very clear goal mm -hmm. and all of the like ambiguity of it is in the episode itself. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus the bunch is just kind of like, it is all just random it's all whatever happens happens it is all this stuff and obviously like extreme level of skill talent all this stuff like i'm not discounting any of that but it just you watch it and it almost feels like you're watching like a natural event occur you know like it's like it's pouring rain out 
it's pouring rain out. You can't make that happen. Mm-hmm. It seems like the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's wonderful. It's yeah. wonderful. And the fact that they've been able to convey that whole thing is also its own skill form. It's like really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. We have a voicemail from Madison. Uh, Madison Rose. Hi, this is Madison Rose Ostergren. I'm calling for the Jim Ryan show. And I want to know about foot stuff and foot health as well as heat therapy in terms of saunaing and your practice with it and how you think it helps your health. Heat and cold particularly. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so foot stuff and saunaing and cold therapy. So let's start with foot stuff. What yeah, is yeah. foot stuff? I, it's it's pretty classic that Mads wants to know about foot stuff. Have you ever seen her feet? Uh, I actually think I have. Yeah, right. So I like, think I have. On she like she just puts it on her story sometimes all and the time. Fucking gnarly, right? Yeah, and you're like, there should be some sort of like thing where you're like, <laughs> it are, should be like a warning, a, a warning ad <laughs> before you get to see those feet. Um, yeah. Yeah, she, the foot stuff. Anyways, yeah, I. Uh, so that's separate. That's her feet on on blast right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, what, what do people say that most very pretty girls have really weird feet or something? Yeah, like that? or stomach problems. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's like the exactly. two things. Um, uh, so separate from Madison's feet and their weirdness, I uh, I've got this whole theory about like. People say that, you know, skier feet, you know, they're, they're just destined to be messed up mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I, I spend a huge amount of time actually working on my feet and strengthening them constantly, mm-hmm. which I think people find very strange because, you know, people think that as a skier, we should just be squatting all the time and you know, deadlifting. And I spend a whole portion of my workout in the gym like doing small foot strengthening exercises because mm-hmm. I think that it's the like the primary tool for absorption, like when skiing bumps or landing a cliff or everything. Like if your feet are strong and responsive, then it, that you end up not hurting your knees and specifically back. So I, I am like always preaching foot strengthening. <laughs> um, and, and as a result, I do a lot of things barefoot, like okay. weird barefoot guy in the grocery store, maybe not in the grocery store, but like around cruising around the neighborhood, okay. walking around, um, I haven't gone so far as to get the toe shoe, like the little toe shoes, but. Oh yeah. I don't know about the toe. Yeah, I got man. toe spacers though. Yeah. Okay. So you're on foot stuff too. I'm on, I guess my buddy, dude, my buddy's like sharing foot space or toe spacers with other people. Like the same ones, like not even what, just putting them on each other's toes and something. Like, yeah. You're going to get fungus. And dude, stuff. you're fungus. in it. You're into the foot stuff. You didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know what foot stuff was, but I guess I'm in it. <laughs> I, I just heard it was going to make your feet smell less bad. Oh, that's a thing. Like your toes don't overlap as much. If you spread them out, like your stance is better and your feet smell less bad because they can breathe. Dude, you're in deep. I'm in deep. <laughs> I didn't even know it was in deep. I read one article like by accident on Google probably, but yeah. Um, okay. So foot stuff. Foot stuff. Yeah. Just general foot strengthening that like okay. every, every skier should spend like some amount of time working on What does their, that look like? What do like, you I do? I do a lot like ballerina moves. Okay. Like bar. No bullshit. Like actually. Like bar class. No shit. Yeah, yeah. I I do like I walk around on the balls of my feet or do squats with my heels raised. Okay, just hovering. I uh, will use really light kettlebells and curl them with my toes, like what? With my heel on a bench. <laughs> yeah, 
and then, and then do curls where I like lift my toes up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like single leg work, but then the the leg that's not being engaged, the one that's not on the ground. Yeah. I will hook a kettlebell with my toes so that my my toes are doing work as well as the standing leg. And people see you doing this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah total weirdo in the gym. And they're just like, this is fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You haven't ended up on like a TikTok page. Like, have you seen those ones where like people are like pulling the bands back and they're <laughs> shooting themselves forward? <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, I probably am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Good to know. Good to know. All right. Foot stuff. That's very into foot stuff. Super into foot stuff. I've been considering doing some sort of Instagram post yeah. where I like. This is good content. I yeah, think this is good content. Do a, a foot stuff workout because I've. I've you have like a footbed sponsor? So that's another thing. I don't wear a footbed. What? I, yeah. Like. Okay. All right. <laughs> you want to see some? Look, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got like crazy high arches and I built those oh, myself. Oh, no shit. Yeah, dude. I had like flatter feet <laughs> and then through foot stuff. You fixed it. I, I like oh, built an arch. I can't. <laughs> I built an arch. You yeah. have a before and after? I don't have a before and after. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, it that'd would be, be cool. cool to see it for science. Yeah. All right. Um, no footbeds. Wow. I wouldn't have even yeah, guessed that. So even now, like even though you have an arch now, there's no, you don't need one. No footbed. And it, I think the theory behind it being that if my foot can flex and stay flexed, I'll like have that strength foundation. But if I put a footbed underneath it, I like kind of disable that strength that I've made okay. like a crutch. Do you have a boot fitter? Uh, do your boot fitters hate you? Like I... <laughs> Um, do my boot fitters hate me? No, they don't hate me. Um, yeah, I usually just, I, I don't even, you don't need one. I don't, I do like a little work sometimes, but most of the time is out of the box. No shit. Okay, yeah. cool. I mean, that's sick. Like if you can do that, like that's best case scenario. I think for any boot fitter actually is like somebody just buys a boot or gets a boot and whatever. It just works. It just works. Yeah. So, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that are stressed listening to this right now. Yeah. I'm um, just like. Yeah, stressed or aroused. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The people that are in the watch, we're gonna end up on some weird thread on Reddit or something just because we're talking about this right now. Um, okay. Foot stuff, that one aside. Um, what sauna, cold therapy, this is a big thing right now. Like everybody's super into it. I'm like this one I'm in deep on for sure. Like mm -hmm. sauna stuff, I'm in cold therapy's a little harder around here. Cause like the coldest thing available is either like getting a tub and like doing the ice thing and all these like Instagram ice bath companies are, they just cost too much money and it's just not a thing. And like clean river is also not a thing in Springfield mass. So ah, not a thing, not a like, thing, not a thing. You should drive over the bridge afterwards on your way out and like look down there and there's probably like bodies floating and shit. Like it is not, got it, not clean. Um, but sauna, the sh like that is a thing that I'm like fully immersed in right now. It's the best thing I think that I do for my health. It's the most happy I am is when I'm in there. So why, why do you do it? what is the benefit for you physically, mentally? Like what's the, what's the idea? Totally. I think a lot of people have become aware, like you said recently of yeah. all like the health effects and, and for me specifically as a skier, this is something that is, is separate from, I think what's going on with the whole heat therapy craze right now is sure. it, it allows me to, I get mine like really hot. I, yeah. I've got a sauna in my backyard. Um, and I get mine, like well over 200 degrees ton of water in there like stand up burn your ears hot yeah um and it allows me to create 
a really super stressful situation. Like, you know, people who haven't practiced with me or like gone in there a lot will go like open the door and be like, oh, hell no, and close the door and leave. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it produces the sensation immediately that you could die. Yeah. Um, and it allows me to create that situation in it and have it be like a safe environment because you're not actually going to die. You're just going to get really hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it replicates the feeling that I have, you know, if I'm on like a knife edge ridge on top of the Grand Teton or something like that or about really? to drop in before a line. Yes, that feeling of like self-preservation of your body being like, this is, a, this is not what I want to do. Yeah. Like it is time, it is time to go home. <laughs> um, we need to get out of this scenario. So okay. it, but you know, with skiing, what I need to do is I need to recognize that and then not give it. I need to, I need to do the opposite of what my body's telling me Okay. to like be able to breathe, compartmentalize that fear and that like trigger response and then perform. So what the sonda does the same thing. I you open the door. My body says, Oh, please no, we could die or we're going to die. And I sit down, breathe and remain in the room. So it's, it's, it's a way for me to like exercise, hmm. uh, on, under extreme stress, like exercise, a, a clear response under an ex- a super stressful environment. And I do that, you know, like three or four times a week. And then, yeah, it becomes easier to, to like be clear and calm headed, calm and clear headed, uh, <laughs> in, in really stressful environments, you know, in the mountains. How, how long are you staying in? Like, I mean, what's, what does that look like for you in, in general? Like 20 minutes. Really? Even at that hot? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for like a couple of years now. So you're comfortable with that. Yeah. yeah. It's, okay. That's, it's interesting because you all, that's one of the things I think that's been getting talked about a little more now is that it does like scientifically, like actually makes you feel like your body releases whatever hormones it is from itself that makes you simulates that like I'm going to die type feeling. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's a real thing. Like it's 100% a real thing. I just never thought about it in terms of skiing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, when you're on top of a line and looking down, your body's like, Duh, don't, <laughs> yeah. you're going to die. I mean, in that, the difference being with skiing, you could actually die. Right. Uh, yeah. So how do you manage that part? Like, okay, all this aside, what does that look like when you're trying to tell yourself like, this is a good idea, this is a bad idea, like in terms of making a judgment call when you're, you're on top of something. Yeah, I think it comes in stages, right? You have to decide. First, you make the decision whether or not you're going to do it at all. Yep. And and that you have to weigh that. And there is gut feeling there. And there's a realistic, like, can I do this? What it? What is the percentage that I will do this? Do I truly believe that I can ski this whole line and I can exit out the bottom? And if you don't believe that you can actually do it, you know, I, I won't do it. If there's like a... a I have, it's been a long time since I've been in the huck and pray mentality. Mm-hmm. I absolutely don't do that. I have to be able to visualize myself executing the entire line top to bottom before I'll ever drop in. <clears throat> 100%. And then once I make the decision of will I or won't I, I, st- I stop thinking about everything else. It's just I simply do it or I don't. I, 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 I stop thinking about... Um, kind of any other option. I mean, there's like the bail options, but like not should I, it's just like once I decide that I am going to, I stop weighing the pros and cons Mm. completely. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's, 
that's a hard that's a hard one. You're deciding whether something especially when you're up there, right? Or you're like on your way up there, there's always like this ego aspect of it, right? Where you're like everybody else is doing it. I should just go do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like and I think that's a thing that people that are not professional skiers can relate to because like you're getting scared as shit and like all your your friends are going to do something and you're like, man, I'm like, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Nobody else seems scared. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that, that people have to grapple with a little bit is whether they're like healthy scared or they're just scared because it's a scary thing. Totally. I remember, so I was filming uh, with Teton Gravity Research and Kate Zeliff and, um, she said this line to me. She said, uh, you wake up every morning and you know you have to trust your gut. Um, but if you turn around every time you're, you're scared, you'll never be a pro skier. Mm. So it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> Jesus, it's like, okay, yes. Like listening to yourself and trusting your gut and yeah. this feels bad. But then at the same time, you have to, you have to like ignore that whole feeling too. It's, it's, it's really tricky because there's the gut feeling and the impulse, and then there's also overcoming it. Really difficult. Yeah, and you back to the sauna thing. You you feel like that allows you to practice being in a mind state that's like I can get through this and it, feel confident making a decision. It it illuminates a lot of the noise because okay. sometimes, and I I mean that almost literally. Like sometimes when. I'm really scared or when a situation's super tense and I reflect back on it, it's almost like there was this white noise and things were quite literally loud, even though it's not at all. But the feeling is that there's like a roar and that's just like background fear. So being able to quiet that down so that you can look at something in a more rational way. Yeah. Of what, like what is the snowpack? What's my ability? You know, what are my safety resources? These things without the, you know, your adrenal gland just freaking squeezing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it just helps. It just helps you be in a better state of mind to like analyze a situation. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I never thought about it as a way to kind of quiet everything, but you do very much think about it as a meditative practice like mm-hmm. when you're in there and you're like i need to get through that. because otherwise you're just like sitting there and you're like hyperventilating the whole time and you're like fuck i'm hot and then you're like you make it five minutes and you're out you totally know? you'll never you'll never last in that environment right if you're like staying in that sympathetic nervous system you'll, you'll just like you'll burn out yeah yeah hmm. interesting yeah i never i've never looked at sauna in that way but i think it's it's cool that people are getting into it and people actually give a shit it's funny i i used to I used to go to a gym that had one and it was always broken. And I was like, okay, this is a bummer all the time. And then this new gym that I'm at, like first started going there a couple years ago, there would never be anybody in there. And now you go in there and there's like 20 dudes stuffed in there, like sardines. It's like, it's changed so much because people are realizing that there are health benefits, but there's also like, there's a benefit to just sitting somewhere and being quiet and just sitting with yourself, even if it sucks and it's fucking hot and all that stuff. Like it's actually, it's a really nice thing to, to find a place that you're actually okay doing that, especially if you have one at home. It, yeah, there's nothing better. Totally. And that's actually one of the rules around phones that I've created. It's just no cell phones in the sauna. Yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, that's when it's easy, right? Just because it feels like such a sacred place. Yeah. It's like, don't scroll in here. And it's going to turn off anyway, especially if it's 200 degrees in there. That's yeah. shutting off in like 10 minutes. Yeah. With that, you know, so it's just, it's part of the deal. Um, okay. Last thing I want to ask you, and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, when I saw you last, uh, 
signing posters, kids' attention, like all over the place. How do you, how does that kind of stuff make you feel? Like when kids are coming up to you, like they want a poster signed by you or they want to meet you at a premiere or they want to like, they want that, like people in general, whether it's kids or adults, want that attention from you. Do you enjoy that part of it? Is it draining? Is it a thing that uh, I'm sure it's a combination of both, but what, what does that feel like in the moment for you? Totally. I would say that um, before I ever had the job, it was one of the things that I, you know, fantasized about. Everybody, want, you know. It was the thing you wanted. It was the thing I wanted. I wanted I wanted to sit there and sign a poster, you know, with my dumb face on it and write, <laughs> and, and write my name. I wanted yeah. it. And then when I got it, it didn't feel right. Um, okay. And that's and that's because what we talked about earlier, I, I felt like I hadn't contributed enough to earn it. And now recently, I feel like I've been in the game long enough that when kids come up to me and they want that poster, that I feel like I have something uh, that, that that I'm now giving back to the sport, and so that I like deserve that poster, or to or that I can like help that kid and be something for them that will help hopefully enrich their life and their participation in the sport. Mm-hmm. So it has returned to feeling good again, mm-hmm. or like I guess there was the there's the fantasy before that felt good. And so now for the first time it feels good. Mm. Um, and that's happened in the past couple of years. Yeah. And it's really cool actually when like families come up or kids come up and they want to talk to me and I try and give them as much attention as I can. Yeah. Um, and that also comes back to like some of the interactions I had with, you know, professional skiers when I was a kid and the attention they gave me and how that changed my trajectory. Like mm-hmm. Keena Pickett visited my high school Mm-hmm. And I remember like, holy crap, and him showing us these segments. And it was like, it was like so much more of the world than I knew was accessible. And he had gotten there through this avenue and he had come from Killington, Vermont. It was, it was really cool. So he like, he allowed me to see a path to, um, you know, a, a different way of living and, I try and remember that like every time I'm interacting with like the kids and the families and I, and I try and answer as like any questions they have. Cause I, I do feel like I've learned a lot in this path and, yeah. I, and I know a lot about this sport now. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does that look like when somebody just comes up to you in real life, like in the lodge or just in a grocery store or like, are you good at that? Cause there's some people that are like, when they're on, they're good at it. And there's some people that are dog shit at it as soon as you catch them when they're not ready to be caught. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, I have my weird days, you know, everybody does, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, like I'm, you know, still in like my pajamas and I'm at Albertsons and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, 930 yeah. at night. I might not be as responsive as you're hoping for. You're not on. Yeah. 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 Um, but I try. Yeah, I try. Yeah. And I only ask because I think everybody has this anxiety of like seeing a pro skier in their tech. Cause it's a community, right? Like you're in these areas, you're in Jackson, you're in Stowe, you're in Burlington, you're in Salt Lake, right? And these people like you and other athletes like actually live there and exist there. And it's, it's unlike any other sport where you actually have access to them. You can actually go up and say hi. You can actually go up and shake their hand Mm -hmm. versus like, you don't see LeBron James like at your local grocery. It's just not a thing. Totally. So it's just different. Yeah. I I would say I definitely haven't reached a place where I'm like annoyed by it. Okay. Yeah. Um, at all. Yeah. If, if like someone were to see me and want to like say hello and that they, whatever saw a segment and they liked yeah. it i have definitely not gotten to a place where that is bothersome i still am like thank you so much for saying that yeah so that's cool i guess yeah I, and i don't and obviously like i'm excluding the people that are just like 
annoying because there are people that are just in your face about everything and they're yeah. fucking annoying and they want too much and and that's fine like i'm kind of excluding those people but i just can't see a reason why you wouldn't be excited to see some, obviously like wrong place wrong time that kind of situation right. different different excluding that kind of thing but yeah. it, it doesn't seem because you do hear these stories of like dumont's always the example that people use right he gets shit on all the time for not giving anybody anything right you know like he felt like he deserved where he was fuck mm. everybody i don't give a shit if they made me get here to this point like i made me get you know so mm. that attitude is such a such a bizarre attitude for me so i always wonder how it feels because you're in these situations right you're like you're on a panel you're at tgr you're like you're signing stuff for people you know you're you're front facing in mm. real life you know mm -hmm. you're showing up in real life and I, I always just wonder what that experience is like often yeah i would say it's almost very positive yeah most of the time yeah, yeah. enjoy yeah. it okay yeah good to know yeah um okay jim thank you very much where where can people find you on the internet where can people watch films where can people find everything that you're doing etc 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 totally i think the two most exciting things out right now um are TGR Magic Hour. So that's out on iTunes and other streaming platforms. And that's one of my most proud segments of all time. Um, and then Beautiful Send. So that's three words, beauty, full send. And that's my inbound stuff that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's on YouTube. Okay. Um, and that's on the vocal page. And then last um, is social media. Yeah. And I'm J uh, Jimmy Ryan. So J-I-M-M-I-R-Y-A-N. Sick. Yeah. And you know, I'm not the best at it, but I try and keep people updated <laughs> on there. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time very much. Yeah. I, I had fun. That's awesome. cool. <laughs>